Hey, everybody. Here at Keep Talking Podcast, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we have a health or fitness-related episode because I'm a personal trainer in my spare time, and I'm a total health and nutrition nerd, and I think it's very important for you to focus on your health and nutrition and fitness as well. Now, a lot of Keep Talking's audience is non-native English speaking, and the language in these episodes is often advanced English, but... I'll make sure that I speak clearly and concisely enough for all non-native speakers and, of course, native speakers to understand. All right. Enjoy the episode. What's up, everybody? All right. In this episode, how do we sleep better but not necessarily longer, not necessarily more time, right? This is something that I've been working on a lot over the last three or four years because, of course, we, we grow up and we hear about, yeah, eight hours of sleep per night, eight hours of sleep per night. Well, it's maybe not that simple. We maybe don't necessarily need exactly eight hours of sleep. Now, more is, in general, probably better. Like, eight hours a night is still a good recommendation for most people, for most adults. Children typically need even more. Uh, But it may not be totally necessary for everybody, and there certainly are ways to shorten the amount of sleep that we need. Oftentimes, I feel like I'm performing very well with only six and a half to seven hours. It kind of depends. It varies, you know, it depends on a number of factors. But the point is, I'm a big believer that we can sleep better, have what they call good sleep hygiene as a way to need total, you know, less total sleep, less time in bed overall, which is a super beneficial thing, right? You know, we live, especially for those of us who live in the U.S. and in other parts of the world that are highly capitalistic in the sense of, you know, let's work really hard, be as productive as possible. Ultimately, we want to be able to sleep less and stay productive, stay physically and mentally sharp, right? And unfortunately, you know, it's led to a society where we run on coffee all day and most people don't sleep enough, right? I mean, the statistics, you can look up different statistics, right? I mean, I think in general, we could say that like one third of America is sleep deprived, according to the statistics. I mean, different, it's measured in different ways, but let's go with that. Like one third of America is chronically sleep deprived. And like, for example, just the simple question of do you wake up with an alarm, right? Like me, for example, you know, me, whether it's yay or nay on the alarm, me, like over the past few years, I've gone back and forth on whether or not I need or wake up with an alarm. Some of you who've been keep talking listeners from way, way back. Why is somebody calling me? It's a scam call. I'm trying to record a freaking podcast here. Shut up. All right. Anyway, those of you who've been keep talking listeners for a long time know that in 2021, I had a period of four months in a row where I woke up at 3.30 a.m. every day. Now, most of those days, the alarm was waking me up. I was probably averaging eh, six to six and a half hours of sleep per night. In a way, it had its benefits. It definitely did. Um, And there's a great feeling of, you know, when you wake up early in the morning and are super productive, you feel like you've, you've conquered the world by 7.30 when everybody else is still sleeping. It's a great feeling. However, after four months of that, I finally was just like, you know, I just feel a little bit too sleep deprived overall. I'm going to go back to sleeping in a little bit more. Nowadays, I wake up on average around five. I mean, it can vary. It's usually between four and six. See, what I do now is I set my alarm for 6 a.m. I typically go to bed between nine and 10 and naturally wake up, you know, around five, just over seven hours on average. I don't need the alarm. I mean, I think... I think in theory, the best thing would be for all of us to wake up naturally without an alarm, but obviously that's a challenging thing to do, especially when we live in a society that 
often requires a lot of hours of work and getting up early for work and whatever you have to do. Anyway, all that to say, in this episode, I'm going to try to give you some tips on how you can sleep better in order to be able to need a little bit less sleep overall. Now, just kind of back to the general thing, I mean, you know, the general recommendation. Some people will say that we need technically seven and a half hours since typically as humans we need to go through five sleep cycles per night, all of which are an hour and a half or 90 minutes. Now, this can vary as well. These cycles supposedly can vary from like anywhere between one to two total hours. I'm not going to go too into detail on like the sleep stages, you know, deep sleep versus REM sleep versus light sleep. Um, And then as far as, you know, what determines how much sleep we need, well, you know, some sources will say really genetics and age are the two main determining factors that determine how much sleep we need. But what I want to do is I want to give you kind of 10 tips. Yes, there is 10, that many in my opinion, to need a little bit less sleep overall, essentially to sleep better. Like once you hit the sack, once you get into bed, fall right asleep, get into your deep sleep, and then obviously your REM sleep, you know, it goes in different cycles, but get the important sleep you need quicker in the night. That way you can wake up more refreshed and maybe even need a little bit less sleep overall. All right. So first thing, cool down the temperature of the bedroom. Okay. A cooler temperature. Typically, we want it between about 62 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit in the bedroom. That's between like eh, 16 and a half or 17 up to 20 degrees Celsius. Why do we want this? Okay, our body temperature naturally drops a little bit during sleep and a, a cool bedroom, basically not too cold, but basically a cool bedroom is the best for us to get into that deeper sleep. When it's too hot, we're more likely to keep tossing and turning. That disrupts our sleep. I mean, I'm getting, these are like the exact words that come out of a Healthline article about this. So cool down the temperature of the room a little bit. Second one is make the room very dark, okay? When things are very dark, that signals to us, to our bodies, to produce more melatonin, which gets us into a deeper sleep, okay? If you need, you can even put like some sort of a face mask on or something that makes the room as dark as possible, but get blackout curtains, okay? That's what I have. Make the room extremely dark, and this is a huge problem in our society where we're full of artificial lights, all right? Which kind of brings me to my third point is to wear blue light blocking glasses. I'm wearing them right now. It's like 7.38 p.m. as I'm recording this podcast. It's already dark outside. I usually put these on, you know, an hour or two before I go to bed. What do these blue light blocking glasses do? These orange tinted blue light blocking glasses. Well, they block the blue light. What a shocker, all right? What does the blue light do? What's the problem with blue light at night? Well, blue light, unfortunately, signals to our body that it's the middle of the day, okay? Because naturally, there is more blue light coming from the sun in the middle of the day as opposed to early in the morning or late in the evening when the sun uh, emits more of the red light, you know, the, the lower intensity light on the spectrum, okay? So when we receive the blue light from all these devices, the computers, the, you know, the TVs and phones, stuff like that, that's blue light coming into our eyes at night. It's telling our body we need to be awake. It's, it suppresses the production of melatonin. Melatonin is the hormone that allows us to get into a deeper sleep and to sleep better, right? So blue light blocking glasses at night. Also, no TVs or other stupid crap in your room, all right? I don't even have a TV. I've done an episode about this before about why I don't have a TV. But having a TV in general in your room and especially leaving the TV on as you're going to sleep, well, that's going to make it so you don't get into a deep sleep. 
All right, number four, don't eat within at least two hours of going to bed, okay? Ideally, they'll say like three or even four hours, but like let's be a little bit realistic here. I think like a good realistic goal is within two hours of going to bed. Why? Because if your body's still focused on digesting a lot of food that you just ate, once again, it can't get into as deep of a sleep because the body is too focused on digestion, okay? It's using too many resources on digestion. You also are just more likely to gain more fat and, and things like that when you have food in your stomach late at night, right, before you go to bed. Number five, get to bed a bit earlier on average, okay? The research shows that between around 10 and p.m. to 2 a.m., like that four-hour window, I'm not saying you should stop at 2, you should keep sleeping until after 2, but that four-hour window is typically when melatonin production is the highest, which means we're able to enter into that deeper sleep phase. The adrenal glands relax more and kind of recharge a little bit better during that time, okay? So in general, my recommendation is for people to get into bed by 10 a.m., okay? Number six, you guys are going to hate me for this one. Go to bed roughly the same time every day. I admit that I don't necessarily do this sometimes. I'm not perfect with this one, okay? But my idea is that, you know, and all the, the studies will show this, right? Like that we should be going to bed about the same time seven days per week. Now, the funny thing is we live in the society where most of us put ourselves into jet lag for two days of the week, okay? Because we'll be waking up at 6 o'clock, going to bed at 10 o'clock or 10.30 on the weekdays, and then on the weekends, we'll stay up till 1 or 2 in the morning and wake up at 9 or 10, okay? That's a three or four hour jet lag, messes up our circadian rhythms, messes up our health. Somewhere along the line, someone decided that Saturdays and Sundays should be different biologically and naturally and physically than Monday through Friday, which is not the case. I'm no longer a believer in this. I try to make my life as similar as possible on all seven days of the week. However, sometimes I still do bend to society and go out to a nightclub and do stupid stuff with Brazilians, but it's fun. But I don't do that that often. Anyway, the point is, I love Brazilian, Brazilians. Brazil is the best country in the world still. Well, maybe the U.S. It's a tough one for me. Anyway, okay, Try to go to bed roughly the same time every day. That will help you, all right? And then if you do do like me, my opinion, my opinion, if you're going to stay out late, I actually advocate for still waking up at the same time. Set an alarm to get yourself up by 5.30 or 6 the next day. I know it sounds weird to just say, well, I'm only going to get four hours of sleep or five hours of sleep if I do that. I've found that having that great morning routine, um, sticking to that morning routine if you're going to stay out late, is typically more beneficial than sleeping in, okay? Which brings me to my next two points. So number seven is do morning exercise or early afternoon exercise. But what morning exercise does is it stimulates the earlier release of melatonin and shifts our circadian rhythm forwards, okay? I've done an entire episode on circadian rhythms. Uh, that was actually last week's Wellness Wednesday episode. Um, but you know, this is just an article I was reading from sleepfoundation.org that talks about the importance of early exercise early in the day um, to, like I said, set our circadian rhythms, start producing melatonin at the right time at night, okay? Now, um, I mean, just in general, I think the key thing is just don't, if, you know, if you're going to exercise in the afternoon, that's great, but don't do it too close to when you go to bed. There's just, it's hard for our body to wind down intensity-wise. Number eight, also related to the morning and the circadian rhythms, morning sun exposure, okay? This is something that's changed my life since I started doing it three years ago, really, is getting out and seeing the sunrise every day. 
rain, snow, or shine, which means sometimes it's not a sun, sometimes it's rain and snow. But getting out and seeing the earliest daylight every day sets our circadian rhythms. Once again, it helps us produce melatonin at the right time later in the day, okay? Like I said, check out the episode from last week if you have more questions about circadian rhythms. Proper light exposure throughout the entire day is important, okay? Because what are we doing when we go outside and see the natural light? Is we're sending our body cues, okay? Our body's biological clock needs these cues to say, ah, okay, I see the sunrise. I see that the light is fairly dim. Now it's morning. Ah, now I'm out around noon, okay? Now I see that it's, you know, very bright light outside. It's noon. We're regulating our biological clock and our circadian rhythms. This is super important for all of our hormones, every part of our biology. It even, I made the argument last week that it has a huge impact on our ability to burn fat and gain muscle. It's all about the hormones. Uh, all right. No, I mean, it's not all about the hormones, but they play a big, big factor. Number nine, you knew this was going to be on here. Avoid caffeine within blank hours of going to bed. Avoid caffeine within, it's eh, a good question. Within how many hours of going to bed? Very good question. Don't drink caffeine or consume caffeine very close to going to bed. I leave the number blank. You can decide how many hours. Some people will say don't do it within 12 hours of going to bed because the quarter life of caffeine is supposedly like 12 hours. So if you drink a large cup of coffee, which might have 200 milligrams of caffeine in it at 10 o'clock in the morning, that means that at 10 o'clock at night, 50 milligrams of caffeine are still in your system and you're not going to be able to get into deep sleep as quickly. I don't know, okay? I did an episode, you could check it out on November 17th called The Coffee Dilemma, right? Where I kind of reviewed this. And it's a tricky one because we all love coffee. Coffee makes life great. And remember, it's not just coffee that has caffeine. Soda, cacao, okay? Like in chocolate, I... I mean, I have a lot of cacao. Um, pre-workout drinks. Oof. These people that are slamming like a C4 pre-workout at 4 o'clock in the afternoon before their workout. I don't know about that. I'm not a fan of pre-workouts anyway. But energy energy drinks, you know those were bad. You, you know those were bad. You knew those were bad. Um, you know, teas, green teas, black teas, I think. I don't know. Also, no alcohol right before bed, all right? If you're going to drink, drink with dinner or something. Get it mostly out of your system before you go to bed. Yes, we know it'll knock us out quick, but it prevents us from getting into deep sleep. And the last one is one that I'm terrible at, which is a nighttime routine, okay? I mean, the idea is in general just to make sure you're in a calm, non-stressed state before you go to bed. And I say I'm terrible with a nighttime routine just because, like, I have a great morning routine in my opinion. You know, quick meditation, journaling session, workout, then see the sunrise, then eat breakfast, be ready for work, okay? Nighttime routine, mine kind of sucks. Here's how my nighttime routine goes. I put on my blue blocker black glasses when I'm at home within a half hour or hour before bed. And then still mess around on my phone or my computer. That's what I do, okay? <laughs> At least I get the benefit of the blue blockers. But uh, I know a lot of people talk about having a great nighttime routine, whether it's meditation, journaling, if you have a family, I don't know, reading books to your kids, doing something to wind down, okay? Don't watch the news where they're talking about Russia and Ukraine, all right? I mean, if you do, do it with your blue blockers. Anyway, um, yeah, those are the 10 tips. Oh, what about napping? I mean, you know, napping, we can go either way. Personally, I'm not currently really doing any napping. I occasionally do it. I don't really like naps that much in general. I'd say if you're going to do it, make it, uh, you know, around that like one or two or 
maybe as late as 3 p.m. hour when it kind of comes on naturally, that post-lunch crash. If you, for whatever reason, have a job that allows you to take a nap at that time, um, but that make it kind of short. If it gets too long, it just disrupts our sleep at night. I don't know. It's up to you. If it works for you, go for it, but I'm not really a fan of napping either way. Um, lots of opinions, yay or nay, on napping. All right, well, that's all I got. So hopefully with those tips, you can improve your sleep. That way you might need a little bit less sleep overall, and you can just absolutely crush it. All right, we'll talk again soon. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's all make health and fitness a part of our daily lives. Get out there and do it.